back from our winter hibernation break with another amazing episode for you. This one's with the Kiara String Quartet, and you're going to learn all about Bartok, who, as it turns out, is a really cool guy. Um, by the way, uh, this year for my New Year's resolutions, I've decided to set the bar at uh, the achievable level, and um, it's a really great way to feel accomplished without you know doing too much. So um, here are some ideas for you. Um, drink one glass of water a day. Uh, work out at least once a week for 15 minutes. And subscribe to Rate and Review the Classical Classroom Podcast on iTunes. You can do it! Okay, enjoy the episode. There's a rumor going around that classical music can be hoity-toity. But here in the classical classroom, we beg to differ. Beethoven 5. <laughs> Isaiah is shaking with excitement oh, here. I mean, there's just so many great parts of the opera. He asked me to play his favorite spot in the first moon of the Brahms. And then he said, I started using those licks in my guitar solos. How to be classical music rock stars, because there's not enough of that in this business. Occasionally, I would plug in the mandolin to my distortion pedals. <laughs> I don't change my voice. And talking to classical I, music voice. <laughs> I'm playing classical music now. I mean, it's, it's yeah. the same 12 notes. That's what's so cool about it. I'm Daisha Clay, a classical music newbie, and I'm trying to learn all I can about the music. Come learn with me and the classical music experts I invite into the Classical Classroom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Classical Classroom. I'm Daisha Clay, and here with me today from Nebraska, NET Radio Studios, are Hey Young Yoon, who is the violinist in the Kiara String Quartet, Greg Beaver, who is, plays cello, and Jonah Sirota, who plays viola. Uh, they're currently in their 16th season together, and they just released a new album called Bar Talk by Heart. You guys, welcome to the Classical Classroom. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Great to be here. So, um... I noticed when I was reading up about you guys that you had actually played a club here in Houston called Avant Garden. And is, uh-huh. is playing at non-traditional venues like that part of what makes you guys unique in the world of string quartets? It, it is. We, we were doing that really before it was kind of a thing. Uh, we were excited to kind of be a part of that. And it really comes from our just our desire that anyone who's interested in music and, and wants to have a an experience of a live performance of great music should be able to do that anywhere that they feel comfortable. So that's been a really important guiding light for us. We don't do it as much as we used to, but we still love it and care very much about it and about our audiences. So I think that's so cool. Like I, I love it when classical musicians play in spaces where people are accustomed to hearing other kinds of music because it exposes new audiences to the music. But mm-hmm. but you guys are actually here to talk to me about the music of Bella Bartok and your new CD, Bartok by Heart. Um, but we've never talked about Bartok on the show. So if you could start out by telling me just the basics about Bartok and like who he was, where he lived, that kind of stuff, that would be awesome. Sure. Bartok lived in Hungary. He's a Hungarian composer. Mm-hmm. What makes him very special is that he actually went around all of Eastern Europe and also part of North Africa to record folk music uh, in the early um, um, 20th century. And he used these folk melodies in the works that he wrote. So mm-hmm. he wrote um, six string quartets and they span the life of the composer. So it's, you know, the first quartet is when he's very young. Yeah. And then the sixth quartet, the last quartet is when he's at the end of his life. And um, he had to leave Hungary because of the war. 
Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing journey of his whole life. And as a string quartet, to be able to tackle this lifespan is an amazing journey. Why did why did he get into folk music and, and documenting it and traveling around and learning about that when, when he was a classical composer? Well, Bartok was also a wonderful pianist. In fact, when he was in Hungary, he was well-known as the piano professor at the Liszt Academy mm-hmm. in Budapest. And as part of his work as a pianist, he toured with other musicians playing with them. And he was playing a concert in Spain with a violinist, and he heard some North African uh, Moorish folk music in a cafe. Mm-hmm. And he vowed that he would go back to North Africa to document that. And then from that process, he also started documenting the Magyar folk music in his native Hungary, and then folk music in Romania, and folk music in Turkey. And he and Zoltan Kodai developed the beginnings of a new science called ethnomusicology. Mm -hmm. And so with this extensive work, I mean, there are other composers who've used folk music, like Franz Liszt and and Johannes Brahms, but they used the folk music they heard in the cafes in Vienna. They didn't actually go out and do research to find the authentic folk music of the, the mountains and and other remote areas where no one from the cities would ever go. But Bartok did that. He found ways to record. He wrote about the processes for getting the, the um, ideal recordings of folk music, how to get them, because, you know, the first time a, a city slicker would come to a remote area, <laughs> they would play what they want what they thought that they wanted and then he would wait until they brought out the real authentic folk music oh interesting yeah and so he then used that after transcribing 15 50 page volumes of this folk music and recording hundreds of hours he he found patterns connections between the different folk music and used that to develop a musical language that he then wrote original music in wow so that's why his music sounds like folk music but it's not um actually folk music from the Hungarian, you know, it's not Hungarian folk music. It's original music, yeah. but it sounds ancient. And that was one of the things that he felt like validated his compositional process. That's what I was going to ask next, is, is how did this kind of bleed into his compositional process as a, as a classical composer? Yeah, so I think, you know, he loved the music of the people, and, you know, I think he really wanted to make sure that the music that he wrote felt true felt real Mm -hmm. and this is i think how he did that so he steeped himself in music you know he was a performer too and he loved performing music of many different composers and you hear that in his music too i mean he didn't steal from other composers but he his music sounds very wildly different from piece to piece you know the six quartets are a great example because they really span through the time of his life and so you know if there's one kind of music you hear in these pieces that might be seem intense or strident you can always count on the you know the next moment there's going to be something yeah deeply human deeply personal going on important to you guys to play this by heart. The name of the new album is Bartok by Heart, and from what I understand, you actually memorize these pieces, and you sort of challenge yourself as a quartet to play these pieces entirely 
from memory. Why is that important with regard to Bartok's compositions? Well, we started doing this um, to to get into the mind of the composer more. We felt that when we memorized pieces that for us, it helped us to go deeper into the score. Mm -hmm. And it also helped us when we perform and record by memory, it helped us to kind of be more free and uh, more improvisatory in our interpretation of the written notes, which is an important goal for us as a quartet. It's important for, for the notes to come alive in a new and exciting way. So we, um, it's a great challenge to play the Bartok string quartets even with music, but it's a greater, it's a, it's an amazing challenge to be able to memorize these great works, and we've worked very, very intensely and very hard to, to be able to do so, and it has really definitely enriched the life of these quartets when we perform and record them. Interesting. And and you've done this before with other composers, I know. Like you had a Brahms album previously that was also by heart. Mm-hmm. Is there is there something about Bartok though when when you're when you're looking at his music that 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 it really does something for the piece itself to play it from memory? It's a little bit tricky for us to answer since we're the ones doing it, but we can <laughs> theorize that because he based his music on folk music, yeah. when we take away the printed score, it makes it a little bit more natural to get it the connection to the folk music. Mm-hmm. I found that as we as we perform these pieces over and over, some of the things that were strange when I first worked on them began to be natural. Yeah, and I, I first I wondered why, but now I'm pretty convinced that it's because what he was doing was notating something pretty simple within a Western context, and the two conflict with one another in a way that, uh, when I say Western, I mean like the Germanic tradition of musical notation. So they they conflict enough that it looks really weird, but then when you take away the way it looks, it sounds very natural. And that's kind of, I wonder if like like a rock band, you know, they often will play the music, write the music while playing, and then transcribe mm. the music later. Do you think that was maybe part of Bartok's process too? It, it's hard to know, but I think mm. since he was starting from a music that was sort of performed that way, yeah. that's definitely how it feels. Like there's places, the the last movement of the fourth quartet is this very rhythmic driving. It almost sounds like like rock. Yeah. And, um, and yet with like really crazy mixed changing meter, you know, changing beat counts. So we have to make it completely natural. It's sort of like if you think about like some crazy big like prog rock, like Yes or something. You know, <laughs> it's constantly changing the rhythm and all this kind of stuff. You know, people who love to listen to that feel like it's just natural as rain to have it go from one rhythm to another. And we have to get to where it just feels completely natural that way. And then the music totally makes sense. You know, but if you're trying to translate it off the page, it just seems complicated. I like that. 
It sounds, it sounds like really modern. Well, you guys, I hate to cut our conversation short. Um, I'm definitely going to go check out some more bar talk after this. Cool. Hey, Young Yoon, Greg Beaver, and Jonas Sirota of the Kiara String Quartet. Thank you so much for being on the Classical Classroom today. We thank really you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode of Classical Classroom. For more Classroom, go to houstonpublicmedia.org slash classroom. Follow the links on our social media and enjoy our ridiculously entertaining and insightful social media stuff. Email me at dclay at houstonpublicmedia.org. Subscribe to, rate us, and review us on iTunes. We plant a tree for every review we get. Okay, that's a lie, but we should. Todd, put that on our vision board. Thanks to audio producer Todd, Strange Todd's Holslander, for making us sound nice. Thanks to editor Mark DeClaudio for his piercing Demogorgon eyes. Thanks to the Kiara String Quartet for being here today. Thanks to engineers Jeff Smith and Dave Hughes over at NET Radio Studios for their help. Thanks to me for saying words. But most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you next time. This mic is named Mike 3, M-I-K-E 3. <laughs> hey, Mike. Ha, 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 ha.